I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. I'm Randy Robinson. Great to have you here. And I have a question for you. Have you ever felt stuck? Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's discontent or just a sense of not knowing where you're going in this season of your life. Well, I've got good news for you today because if you feel like you're stuck uh, in a cave, we're going to help you exit the cave. And there's the book we're kind of centering our conversation around. It's written by Blaine Hogan, and he is a, an actor, a, 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 a director, film director, uh, creative type, but he's also someone who's experienced this personally. And so this is, if you're maybe kind of floundering, I get it. We all do it. No condemnation here. But we're going to maybe point you in the right direction, give you a little hope, uh, maybe some practical steps to to exit your cave. So appreciate you guys being here. Chat is open if you're watching live. We always appreciate you being a part of the conversation. If you're watching in the replay, we like your nice comments as well. Blaine, great to have you on Life Today Live. Thanks so much, Randy. Good to be here. So dive into your story a little bit because, I mean, I love the title of your book, one. It's it's sure. uh, nice and creative, which reflects your personality. But I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> when we talk about you experiencing some of these things, what have you experienced? Yeah, well, uh, in short, um, I, uh, I was an actor for a long, long time. Grew up in Minnesota and started acting when I was just a kid and knew from a very early age, this is what I want to do with my life. And so pursued that in depth for many, many years. Uh, was bouncing back and forth between various cities, Chicago, New York. Um, had uh, just gotten my SAG card, my Screen Actors Guild. It's kind of the jump into professional uh, acting uh, while I was in Chicago on a show called Prison Breaks, first season. And was working at the best theaters in town, um, was making a living doing the thing I'd hoped all of my life since I was a kid. Mm. But at the same time, began uh, experiencing panic attacks that were taking me to the hospital and couldn't understand what was going on in my body um, when everything in my career was going so well, uh, as I dug a little bit deeper, it became really clear that the um, anxiety and panic attacks that I, were ha I was having that had become debilitating at that time um, really had stemmed from a cave that I had entered a long time ago, uh, kind of when my um, acting, the idea of acting um, became present in my life, which was when I was sexually abused um, by some older boys in my neighborhood. Mm. And um, it had festered for years and things that um, happened to me in the past didn't even, I didn't, I had no idea were dictating my present. Um, and uh, I was in, um, you know, a, a really kind of tenuous position where I began to realize that what had happened to me in the past was altering and changing my present. Um, but it was also beginning to dictate my future, a future of addiction, sex addiction, specifically for me, that I knew I did not want uh, to travel. And so at that point, um, I had taken two years off from acting and ended up in Seattle uh, at a graduate school and turned out it was a seminary. Didn't realize. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> 
Uh, I went just to go do some healing um, and uh, began to kind of unravel and unpack this story uh, and uh, begin to kind of dig in to the cave that I had found myself in. Uh, that was 2005. It's now 2023, almost 24. Um, I find myself, uh, you know, daily working, um, you know, kind of the steps out of the cave. Um, but uh, like you said in your um, intro, there is hope if you do find yourself stuck in any place, mm -hmm. um, in any cave. Um, and uh, I hope that my book, as I've told my story, uh, might be an inspiration and hope for others uh, to do the same work. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for being willing to talk about that kind of thing, because most people want to keep it in the dark. Um, and I, I know you know this, but I just got to say it. That, uh, that kind of abuse is horrific and not your fault. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. You know. I mean, and it, it's not fair. It's not right. It's unjust. And I think you 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 got to have something big uh, to get you out of that kind of cave. What what was your tendency? Did you did you kind of want to keep it in the dark, kind of bury it um, for years? Is that why it festered? Yeah, I think I think we all do. I think some some of it's a combination of being aware of something that you are ashamed of. Mm. I think some of it is also being unaware of what it's doing internally. Yeah. And so I think it was both. I think there certainly for a long time felt ashamed of either what had happened to me or beginning to connect the pieces that, oh, it's because of that that I'm finding myself in some of these spaces or I'm, I'm um, sort of drawn to certain kinds of acting out because of, of my abuse. And then I think a, a lot of it is a lack of awareness. Um, a lack of self-awareness that it took uh, my body finally screaming out in um, the anxiety and in the panic attacks. Um, the body, there's a great book um, called The Body Keeps the Score. Hmm. And it's this idea that so often and, or too often things that happen in our past uh, because we haven't resolved them or because we haven't told those stories, because we haven't brought those stories out into the, the light, um, we think we're managing it when, in fact, our bodies are always telling us a story. And so for me, um, as I mentioned in 2005, having these panic attacks that rose to the surface, I no longer could ignore them. And so at that point, I really felt like I, I had to do something. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic. He passed away a number of years ago um, from his own addiction and um in, in a lot of ways, I saw a life that I didn't want to lead, um, uh, you know, the way that he was um, with my mom and my brother and myself and realized that's not the life that I want to lead. And thank God my body, even though my mind wasn't ready to say, oh, I got to do something here, my body forced me into that. And I think that a lot of us are in those places every single day, even if they aren't big, major panic attacks, our bodies are always telling us a story uh, from our past. Um, and there's always more for us to, um, to dive in and, and dig into so that we can bring those things that are affecting us that we are ashamed of into the light. So I love that you went for the root cause, uh, because a lot of the tendencies, uh, well, one is to self-medicate, which is usually what like an alcoholism looks like. Uh, another le legitimately, a lot of doctors will medicate, uh, to manage the symptom without getting 
to the root? Did you experience any of the sort I of sure did. Yeah. 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 In fact, um, you know, in, in some ways it, it the, I, I was given something, um, it was called lorazepam. It's for kind of acute panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was given that to just help my body calm down, right. uh, and was on that for, for a good while. And in, in many ways I was really grateful for it, but also simultaneously, like you said, I was trying to do the work of the root cause, yeah. uh, to, to try and unpack, how did I get here? Um, what, what, what is causing all of this? Um, and, and recognizing that, uh, if I didn't attack, uh, or go after or dive into the darkness, um, of the cave of my story, uh, that, um, I wasn't going to get anywhere and, um, taking medication would really, uh, was a, a saving grace for a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but really wasn't, uh, going to last me. Yeah. a lifetime yeah. you know in the yeah. in the way that uh doing the the work of unpacking your story letting god redeem um some of those right. shameful parts yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and you know long term use of medication like that can have some side effects that you don't want either but yeah they sure can what did your what did your deep dive into your cave look like you know i i uh i, I kind of alluded to this idea of um you know, past, present, future. And uh, to me, that's really what was the most impactful part of my time in, in Seattle was this sort of reconfiguration configuration of the space-time continuum. Mm-hmm. So we think of uh, time as a linear uh, with past, present, future. Um, but in truth, the way we experience uh, time is past, future, present. And what I came to understand is that whatever has happened to us in the past um, is what we project onto the future. Yep. And however we are imagining the future is how we live in the present. Mm-hmm. And so just like what you said, for me, you know, I had a past uh, of abuse and the way I was medicating um, the shameful parts of that dark story uh, was through my addiction um, because I didn't want that to happen again in the future. Right. And then that just, you know, kind of becomes this just deadly spiral. And so for me, um, what I had to do was I had to go into those places. I had to begin telling those stories. Mm. I had to tell the stories of my abuse. I, I began telling the stories of my addiction. And as I did that, as I brought others into it, as I invited God into those spaces, as if I, I could, <laughs> God was present in all of those places. And that is one of the things I really came to, to realize um, that took me so long is that God had been in those spaces with me. Um, I think that's really hard for those of us who have trauma stories where we all do, um, partic- particularly dark ones. How do you, uh, what do you do with that? What do you, what do you do to, to say, oh, God allowed this to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, God uh, was in this place with me, but, but God didn't prevent it. Um, from from happening. And uh, I don't have any easy answers for that. All I know is that as I did that work of going into those stories, feeling God's presence, that those stories began to rewrite themselves. Mm. And I realized that I had become an unreliable narrator. And by that, I mean, as I told the stories in, in groups and in therapy, um, and other people were able to respond and just kind of like what you said, um, speaking into it, saying that wasn't your fault. Mm. Do you realize how brave you were? What a what a curious young man you were. 
um, to 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 be interested in in your body or how sensual uh, of a person you are. Not necessarily sexual, mm. but like you're you, you. Of course, that's why you're so creative is because you're aware of all of these senses. Mm. Um, that to me, if I were to go back into those stories and say, ah, if I wasn't so curious, if I wasn't so sensual, if I wasn't so you know exploratory. Um, I, I wouldn't have found myself in those places, but actually those were attributes that were so good um, that someone took and used um, to harm me. And that wasn't my fault. And all of us have those stories, whether they're specific to abuse, but we have these stories in our childhood um, where we ourselves have become unreliable narrators that we don't even realize that. But that past, we are projecting onto our future and it's... Um, mm. Uh, changing how we live in the present. And so what I learned is that um, I, I was able to do the thing that they say you cannot do, which is change your past. They say the past has come and gone. You can't do that. But I actually did. I went back and I started to re-uncover um, uh, those stories. And with great therapists and with the work of God and the Holy Spirit, um, those stories began to change. And so my past began to change, which changed my future outlook, which has changed my present completely. Do you think you could have done it on your own? You mentioned therapist, no <laughs> community, and and even sure. God. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely not. I I I think that we are um, we're we're born into this planet to be a part of a community. Um, the kingdom of God is a kingdom. It is uh, it's a, 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 it's groups. It's many people, um, and I think that honestly. Um, how I got into some of the dark spaces that I found myself was because I was trying to do it alone. Mm. Um, I was trying to uh, figure it out on my own because of my shame. I was ashamed of, of the places that I had found myself. And um, I really, that's, you know, uh, alongside admitting, um, you know, that you have a, a, a something you cannot control, which is the definition of addiction, which I will say, just as a caveat, we're all addicted to something. Um, it may not be one of the big ones, but we all have something, things that we, we struggle with. Um, and outside of admitting that, um, you know, it really is, how do you communicate that and share that with another person, another human? Um, and some of that can just begin, uh, with a conversation with God, um, that, 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 uh, that, that you do need help. Um, but I, there's no way that I, I, I don't even think I'd be alive today, Randy, uh, if not for, um, the community. Uh, of people and of the spirit that has uh, uh, girded me uh, to this day. Yeah, yeah. Wow. We're talking to Blaine Hogan. This is his book, Exit the Cave, where he unpacks uh, so much of what he's learned and been through. Uh, and if you find yourself in a similar situation, that would be a great resource to point you in the right direction. You can pick it up wherever you get books. But it's it's not about selling the book. It's about helping helping you, you know, uh, the person who is relating to Blaine's story right now. I have a couple of observations and questions. Um, one is that, you know, you, you say we're all addicted to something. And I think it would be, I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm misconstruing the intention of Scripture, the one that says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, which, by the way, I was a Baptist, and so all we heard was the don't be drunk with wine part. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, I think it'd be safe to, to say, you know, don't be addicted to the things of this world. Be addicted to God. Mm. Does that ring anywhere true? 
Yeah, I mean, I I I think that the the point um, of the the passage there is to um, keep your mind on things that are holy. Yeah. Keep your mind on things um, that will bring you life. Yeah. Um, I think what you're saying also is um, that uh, you know to avoid. You brought it up earlier, but to avoid the idea of self medication. I will say this though. Um, I think that faith can often be an addiction in an, in an unhealthy way. I think that the certainty of um, some expressions um, can create a kind of, of avoidance of your story, of the shame, um, of the places uh, that, that you've been. And so um, I'm, I might disagree slightly um, in that there, I think that the core of what you're saying is, is true. Um, but I do think that oftentimes we can use faith as a way to prevent the work of God. Oh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, actually. Uh, there's <laughs> um, my dad has said to some people who uh, have a certain theology that our faith is in God. Our faith is not in faith. Mm. And, and I think that's kind of what you're yeah. saying because some, yeah, yeah and, exactly. Yeah. And it becomes a form of, 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 of religion in a negative way, uh, yep. as opposed to, because the, the thing about Jesus, he came in, in spirit and in truth and we can't hide the truth in religion, which does happen. So, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, so what, yep. why was, why was God even a part of your conversation? Was that from something were you raised in a way or why? Yeah. Why that? So that's, yeah. So I, I was uh, raised Catholic, mm -hmm. uh, grew up in Minnesota. And, um, I, I, I think probably because I was Catholic, I was sort of the kid that everyone took to their assemblies of God uh, uh, heaven's gates, hell's fire. Yeah, trying, to, trying to convert you. <laughs> That's right. Um, and so, you know, the, the amount of camps I was invited to, I was like the, you know, I was the, I was the kid that they were all praying for. Oh, did, and, did you uh, not have enough Mormons in your area that they could focus on those guys? No, no, it was, it was Catholics and Lutherans really, but the Lutherans were fine. It was the, it was the Catholics, Catholics that they had a hard time with. That's hilarious. And so, and so growing up, I just experienced a lot of different kinds of church. Yeah. Um, and also, I just I think as an artist, I began to realize that the that the dark places um, or the sanctuaries that I would be in, whether they be auditoriums or or theaters or um, or, you know, cathedrals mm -hmm. um, or movie theaters or actual theaters, they were these holy spaces where, like you say, um, truth was told. Mm. And so I think I gravitated very early on to both those spaces of art and those spaces of faith. Hmm. Um, for a very long time, I didn't understand how the two uh, fit together. Yeah. Um, and I worked a lot of that out as I was a creative director for a big mega church in, in Chicago for about a decade. Mm -hmm. um, that actually became my film school. Uh, this is after my experience in, in Seattle. Um, but I think I was always drawn and, and, and had been kind of called back to these dark spaces, whether they be theaters or cathedrals. And um, I, I, I think it, uh, it just somehow made sense to me that God was always in 
those spaces, it just was really hard for me to understand for a very long time that God might have been in some of those darkest places of, oh. of, of my life. And, and so the revelation that he is not only in all of those spaces, but, I mean, present with, with us in, in a sense of, I mean, there's, a, there's an intimacy and a closeness there that yeah. I, I, we, we just, I don't think we fully understand. What, what, what did that do? Because, I mean, it, the, the, your story is, is coming out of that cave, finding purpose, finding meaning. How did, how yeah. did that dawn on you in a sense? I, well, I think in a, a, couple, a couple of things, um, you know, part of seminary was unpacking the, the Hebrew and really understanding um, what, what, what did certain terms mean? Yeah. And one that really got to me, and I think it's probably because of my bent towards uh, the arts, is the idea of the incarnate, that it's this really, like what you're saying, very intimate, it's flesh and bone and blood and guts, and it's like the real thing. Um, of life and humanity, and that God would uh, enter that space with us, mm-hmm. um, in the idea of Emmanuel, that God, yeah, God is with us. us. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that really helped me go, oh, this isn't a faraway thing. This is a really kind of fleshy um, here and now thing. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I, that that to me, I think was the biggest change. And I realized, okay, so if God is with me um, in, in, you know, kind of the big mountaintop moments, then certainly he's, he's with me in like the yucky guts and blood and gory parts of my story. I mean, the Bible, if you read it um, as, as the book that it's intended, is a horrific tale. <laughs> it, it is, it is a, it is, you know, it's a, a, a just a, I mean, a roller coaster through all kinds of, you know, sex and war and blood and bone. And I mean, it is it is a it is a deep, deep book Um, and recognizing that and it coming alive to me, um, I think was. I think uh, just a kind of um, a light bulb moment going, okay, um, it isn't this far away, glowy kind of. Um, an angelic kind of thing. The, those moments are present in all of it. Um, but God is um, present in the sacred as much as he is in the profane. And one, it's one of my favorite quotes, and I, I don't recall who said it, but God is in the mundane, you know? Correct. The everyday. Yep, the everyday. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, and that goes back to living in the present, not in the, the past trauma, the past shame, the past regret, or the future worry and fear. Uh, yep. so good. Uh, so in, in all this, um, by the way, you, you, you talk about 10 years here, years over that you still look like you're in your twenties, just, just <laughs> pointing that out. So if there's, a... Oh, Randy, <laughs> thank you. That's the zoom. That's the zoom filter. The I'm 40, zoom? I'm 43. Uh, but I did, I played young characters for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. I sure did. Yeah. So, all right. Um, Here's the question. Who is Blaine Hogan today? Oh, so my, my youngest daughter turned six yesterday and, uh, I've got a nine, I've got three girls, 12, nine, and now, now six, I've been married for 15 years. Um, I, I Blaine 
Hogan is alive and shouldn't be. Um, the places that I uh, found myself um, should not have me here today. And uh, it is it is a gift to be alive, really. And, and, and truly, you know, addicts, we talk about this one day at a time uh, mentality. And it, it really is that, um, that I, go ahead. Well, I, I, just to, to, a slight twist on that. How do you, how does God see Blaine Hogan? Oh, um, well, that's a good question, Randy. I think the word is good. I think the word is good. Um, son. Yeah, I think, I think it is. I think it's good. It's good son. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say out loud. Um, because I do, even in all of the work that I've done, the, the tinge of like, of shame Mm -hmm. and a bit of the, you know, a little accusation, like, of course you're not like, I know you, you, all the things you've done, you can't, you can't be good. Um, but I think that's true. And I think, um, uh, you know, you go, go back to the, to the garden and it's just how we were created. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He called us good. Loved by us all good. Loved by God. Oh, yeah. I'll, we, when we pray, I pray with the girls every night, and I say, "God, we love you, um, but we know that you love us so much more." Yeah, that's kind of the closing words of our 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 prayer every every night. And you know, I think that's what people need to hear, um, because we need. I need to hear it. You need to hear it. You know, uh, and that confession of the mouth of truth, not because we say it, making it true, but because it's true and we say it, we can start to believe it. I I do think, man, I think that's where a lot of people stay in in the darkness. They don't want to, they they can't believe that God would love me such, because I know what I've done, right? Yeah. My dad, he would come um, every, uh, almost every Christmas to the big performances that we would do services that we do at Willow Creek, which is where I was the creative director for a long time. And every year he, you know, he would hear a gospel message and he just felt like he couldn't, Mm. he, he felt like God might be able to forgive him, but he could never forgive himself. Mm. And that's why he stayed stuck. It's why he stayed stuck and, and he died in his, his own cave because he never believed that he was good, mm. good despite, loved despite, mm-hmm. um, loved in spite. Uh, and I, I feel like, you know, I was given the opportunity to continue every day now to make that choice. To, do I believe that? Do I believe that that I am good? Do I believe that, that I am loved? Is Do I believe that I can be forgiven? And will I forgive myself? Yeah. Uh, and I think that, you know, for those listening and watching, that's probably what I would leave them with is mm-hmm. to say, um, that's the work. Yep. That's the work is to believe that you are loved to accept. I don't even say believe. I think it's just an acceptance. It's not a thing you can do. It's just a, a, a hand you can open, uh, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. The, one of my favorite songs is called the gospel appropriately by John David Helser and, and his wife, Melissa Helser. And it says, they, they say that love only comes to those who deserve it. 
And forgiveness only comes if you can earn it. But what do mm. they know about grace? Because that's what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, that is. I yeah. love it. All right. It really is. Anything you want to add? Um, let me show people real quick. This is uh, the website, blainehogan.com. If you want to go check him out, it's got the book there too. And you can get the book anywhere. But you just got to yeah. hear the message. Anything you want to add? Well, no, I just, I, I, I think that my hope in writing the book um, is that as I have told my story, as we've talked about a couple of times now, as truthfully as, as I could, um, that others would feel the courage to, to do the same. Yeah. Um, that they might be encouraged uh, by the idea that, oh, you can, you can be unstuck. You can come out of the cave. You can come into the, the, the light. But more than that, um, that they would feel uh, the courage uh, to tell their own story. Uh, to find those places that are still um, kind of coming up, those places of darkness that they've never told. Mm. Uh, those are the st stories that they would share um, in the places that most need grace. If you're in that position, let this be the moment that you decided to take that first step out of the cave and, and talk to someone. Talk to someone. Um, I, I would recommend uh, a Christian you can trust and very possibly someone with some training, uh, you know, an expert if you need to, depending on, on how how deep-rooted that, that thing is. But you, you're hearing it from someone who's walked out of their cave. You can too, and that's what you need to know. So thank you again, Blaine. Appreciate you very much. Thanks, Randy. Yeah, appreciate you. Appreciate you guys watching. If you know someone that needs to hear this encouragement, hit that share button. And as always, if you haven't liked, followed, or subscribed, we invite you to do that. You'll get notifications of more encouraging interviews just like this one. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. You don't have to go anywhere or be in any specific place. It is the believing of the heart. It is 